<laughs> hey, open your Bibles. Let's jump right into this morning. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we'll be looking at verse 17 and 18 this morning. Romans 12, starting at verse 17 and verse 18. If you grab the Bible on the way in, you will find it on page 775. 775. You know, one thing over the years I've come to understand is that relationships in our life have a tendency to shape our life. The relationships that we have in life have a tendency to shape who we are today, and they're going to have a tendency to shape who we are going to be tomorrow. They're that vital in our lives. You know, we, one of the things I used to say is we become like who we hang with because that's how important and how relationships work in our life. You know, one of our core values here at church at Bridgewater is life is better connected. That's what scripture says, and so that's what we follow. Life is better connected. That means relationships are key. They're key to our walk with Jesus. They're key of who we are in life. I mean, let's just stop and think about this for a second. Some of the greatest moments in our lives are filtered through relationships, aren't they? Some of the greatest moments in life are filtered through the people who have been around us in life. You know, think about when you're growing up, you had some kids in grade school, you know, that they were, they were like, these are my boys or these are my girls, and, and, they, and they influenced you and you walked with them. You had some amazing moments with them in life. And some of you in this room, you still have those friendships. They have been that important and you've kept them all those years. Or you met him in, in high school and you have those friendships. Or you met him in college and you've kept those friendships. They have been very, very important in your life. We all have them. You know, over the years, I have built a multitude of friendships through church, through my small group. Man, I have been in multiple small groups over the years. And I have grown, have grown deep friendships with many, many people. So we have small groups for friendships. We have church for friendships. We have school for friendships. And probably the most important relationship and friendship we could have is with Jesus. Life changed or life surrendered to him. Relationships are amazing. Friendships are amazing. But also, they bring pain. Right? They bring pain. Not only are the, some of the best moments of my life have been filtered through friendships, if we're honest, we think through it, some of the worst moments in our lives have been filtered through relationships. Some of the moments in life that's been the deepest hurt and the darkest moments in life have come through other people, connected to other people. And I don't think I need to tell you that. I don't think I need to sell you on that. I think many of us in this room have walked just through that ourselves. Friends, we live in a post-Genesis 3 world. Post-Genesis 3 world simply is this. When God created everything, everything was perfect. When he brought the moon, the sun, the stars, put them all together, he put all the animals on the earth and all the crops and the trees and all that good stuff, and then he created humanity, and everything was perfect. But humanity had this idea to turn their back on God. And when they turned their back on God, sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, everything changed. Everything changed in the relationship with humanity and their creator. And everything started changing with humanity with each other. So if you go back and look at the garden, back when Adam was caught 
for, for doing something he was told not to do. You need to see how he responds. Look at Genesis 3, verse 11. This is God, right? He says, have, have you eaten from the tree that I command you not to eat from? See, there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. He says, do not eat from this tree. And so God, he says, okay, did you do what I told you not to do? Well, did you see how Adam responded? <laughs> it was the woman. <laughs> it was the woman that you gave me. Man, it was all her fault. Okay, so this is the very first couple, very first marriage. And the first time he, he walks and he turns his back on God, what does he do? He blames his wife. Hashtag bliss gone, right? Wedding bliss gone, the honeymoon is over, it's busted. I couldn't imagine sitting around the stone that night, eating dinner, getting those laser beams. Psst, psst, psst. You did what? You threw me in front of God? It happens. Just like that, right in the beginning, we have conflict. Why? Because sin entered the world, it brought conflict. And what we have to do is think through this together this morning and absolutely admit to ourselves, conflict is, an, is not an area that we have all figured out. I mean, raise your hand if you, can, you have conflict all figured out. I mean, you handle every single time as God would want you to handle it. Raise your hand. Go ahead. Do it. Yeah. Raise your hand if you think conflict, how to handle conflict is an area in your life that you probably could use some help in. That should be everybody, friends. That should be everybody. Because every single one of us in this room needs Jesus to intervene and show us how to walk through conflict. Because when we do it wrong, relationships are destroyed. When we do it God's way, relationships are stronger and they're better. The foundation is wider. That's what God wants us to do. But here's the thing. Before we go one step further, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to give you three things to challenge. One is to commit to be here every week. Commit to be here every week. Now listen, I know some of you work, so it's not possible. Listen to the podcast online. I know some of you might get sick. <laughs> Don't show up. Stay home. Watch us online, okay? But if you can be here, be here through this entire series, because I believe if we let this series work in our lives, if we're honest as we go through it, it will radically change all of our relationships. All of them. So commit to be here. Number two, show up at your small group. Show up at your small group. We have about three or four weeks left. And if you're not in one, stop at one. If you're in one, show up because you can dig in deeper. I challenge you to walk through this series as your small group to you figure out how to walk through conflict a godly way. Who are you? How do you respond? How do I live differently? Number three, bring someone with you. Bring someone back with you next week when you come back. Why? Because walking through this series is not just for Jesus followers. All right, so this book that we're pulling everything from I believe is the word of truth, right? It has been the best seller, friends, for hundreds and hundreds of years. And it's full of insight of how we can live godly, loving relationships. So there's your challenge. Three, show up 
a church, small group, and invite someone to come back with you. And so for the next five weeks, including today, we're going to walk through five rules, right? Five rules of what it looks like for you and I to deal with conflict in a God-honoring way. Five rules. And today is rule number one. And it's really, really simple. It's not about winning. It's not about winning. When we get in a conflict, when there's arguments, when there's fights, and we walk into it, it's not about winning. Our goal is not to win. And this is an idea that many of us have been walking, it's been driven into our lives, all our lives. That when we get into an argument, man, the only way to get to the other side and have, is to have victory. The only way to be, make sure I get my point across is to put the other person down. The only way that this is going to end is if it's me on top and I put the other person below me. And I'm going to carry the trophy and say, I won this fight. Man, that's been driven a lot of us. And that's how a lot of us respond to conflict in our life, that we are going to win. Let me just tell you, that's a false assumption. You never win. If that's the way you're going at, you'll never win. Right now, you're open to a book of Romans. The book of Romans was a letter written by a guy named Paul, who's a follower of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, wrote down these words, writing to a group of Christians, followers of Jesus, in, in the city of Rome. And during that time when Paul was writing this letter, man, let me just tell you, it was a pretty rough space in Rome and being a follower of Jesus. There was a lot of conflict, a lot of battle, a lot of evil taking place, and Paul is writing to them. Now, if you have not read the book of Romans, I'd encourage you to, to do that. I just finished it up last week, and it's an amazing letter. Because as you walk through the letter of Romans, you, it, it reveals who God is. Reveals who God is and his creation, and it shows his love for us. And it tells us our stance before him. Our stance before him before Jesus and our stance before him after Jesus. But then, but then Paul and God and Jesus does something that absolutely frustrates me. He starts telling me how to live. Oh, no, you didn't. He walks through and says, okay, if you are a follower of Jesus... Let me just show you what this looks like in real life. In fact, we're starting at verse 17. A few verses earlier, you look at your printed Bibles. There's that little phrase, a little heading that most Bibles put in. It says, love in action. Love in action. And this is what it means. If you've experienced the love of Jesus in your own life, let me just show you how to live that love out in your life. And then we get to verse 17. And then we start getting poked and prodded. Look at the screen. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And then we're going to focus on this verse today, verse 18. If it's evil, far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, church, live at peace with everyone. So I read this verse, or these two verses, and I immediately start coming up with some ideas and some things just pop in my head. One is simply this. There is going to be conflict in our lives. Okay? There is going to be conflict. There is going to be things that happen in our life that going to cause conflict or arguments or, or fights between us. 
It happens. It's unavoidable. It says, do not repay evil for evil. It means, friends, there's going to be evil happening around us and maybe to us in this world. And we're not to respond the same way it would happen to us. Come on, it's simple. You take two broken people and you put them in the same room for a long period of time. Some point, sin's going to hit in. Some point, someone's going to say something that hurts. Some point, someone's going to do something that hurts. It just happens. It's, it's part of our broken nature, right? So, but here's the thing. Has anybody ever seen the movie Castaway? Yeah? I mean, come on. Tom Hanks got in an argument and a conflict with a volleyball. For real. So if he can argue and get a conflict and fight with a volleyball, what's going to happen when we get two human beings together? It's going to happen. I mean, sure, when you first meet people, there's going to be all these pleasantries and niceties. You're going to please and thank you. Oh, no, you first. And you're going to be really, really nice. But at some point, something's going to be said. At some point, something's going to be done. And it's going to rub you like sandpaper. It's going to hurt. And you are not going to like it. So when this happens... This is where the rubber meets the road for you and I. This is where we're in our relationship because this is what happens. Sinful people tend to respond sinfully when sinned against. I'm surprised I said that out loud. Sinful people have a tendency to respond sinfully when sinned against. This is our natural reaction, friends. When we get hurt, what we want to do immediately is hurt them back. We've been living that way since we were kids. Come on, you watch kids. What happens when a kid wants a toy that another kid has? They walk up and just take it away. Thank you. And they're crying. Ah, what about? And they're fighting. Right? What happens when one pushes another? What happens? They push each other back. And there you go again. We have a conflict. When you're in grade school or junior high, someone said something that was hurtful, hurtful to you. What did you do? You said something hurtful back. When a coworker right now, your adult, said, does something to you that hurts, what do you want to do? You want to do something to hurt them back. See, it's, it's just driven within us. It's driven right in with us. It happens all the time. And it happens all the time in marriages, too. You wouldn't think that'd be true, but if we saw it in the first marriage, we're probably going to see it in ours. If you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And by the way, look at me, eyes up front. Do not look at your spouse for confirmation. Mm-hmm. Be a whole bunch of conflict going up in here, and we don't have time for that. <laughs> I've done my share of marriage counseling. And one of the things I've heard over and over and over again, well, he or she did this, so I did that. This is how they treated me, so that's how I'm going to treat them. Oh, so you're paying evil for evil. Why is that? Sinful people have a tendency to respond sinfully when sinned against. 
Come on. Let's think about this. You think about right now, you personally, when, when last time someone hurt you, they said something, did something, and acted a way that was sinful and hurt you, how did you want to respond? How did you want to respond? Honestly, I mean, can we just get honest? Let's set up those church answers aside real quick. How did you want to respond? Jesus. I want to respond like Jesus. I asked myself, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Right? Yes, that is true. And yes, that's what God would want. But if we're honest, is that how we really respond? Is that how we really treat others when they hurt us? No. So when it happens, when it happens today, when it happens this afternoon, when it happens this week, when it happens next week, or if it happens next month, this is what I want you to do. Rethink your reactions. Rethink your reactions. When someone says something, someone does something, someone hurts you, I want you to stop. I want you to stop. And not just be impulsive and want to hurt them back. Stop and ask yourself some questions. We're saying, okay, what, is, what does God really want me to do in this moment? See, so he says, when all possible, as far as it depends on you. Okay? As far as it depends on you, meaning that we have a choice. In the middle of the conflict, in the middle of the argument, whether our spouse or friend or coworker or boss, right at that moment, we have a choice. We have a responsibility, from what I'm seeing, to absolutely just stop, rethink my reactions. And here's the difference. Reactions is just done on impulse. Reactions are done on emotions and feelings. Do I want to just react and hurt them like they hurt me? Do I want to do it? because it makes me feel good and I got them back? Or do I want to respond? Do I want to respond? Do I want to stop? I want to dial it back and determine that no matter what is done to me, I will choose not to return evil for evil. There's something in this relationship that depends on me. If you ask me, that's very convicting. When it's possible, as far as it depends on you, God says, you have a responsibility as a follower of Jesus to respond differently. See, this is what happens too. See, when we're threatened... We get in an argument. If there's a conflict happening, there's stuff that starts happening to us. Our brain sends a signal from, from, our, our, from our brain to our adrenal glands. Our adrenal glands starts flooding our body with adrenaline. And it's preparing us for an emergency situation. It's preparing us to fight. And we're, we start closing down. Some non-essential parts of our mind start, start shutting down. And we start focusing in. We're sweating. Our heartbeat's getting raced up. And we're, we're ready to go. I mean, you said something. And now I'm ready to go at you, baby. It's coming on. And, it, and we start getting pumped up. But at the same time, the frontal part of our brain starts shutting down. 
it starts becoming suppressed. And that's the fun part of our brain is while we think, we think we become impaired and we start doing things and saying things, it's shutting down. It's called brain fog. It's a real thing. And what happens when we get brain fog, it starts closing down, we have become impaired. Impaired the ability to think rationally. And when we're not able to think rationally in the middle of a conflict and we're all juiced up because we've been hurt, that's when we say stupid things and that's when we do stupid things. It's also when we're in that point and we're so focused and we're so hyped up, we have this inability to learn new information and remember, remember new information. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody? And you're in the middle of the argument, you realized they're saying the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over. Regardless of what other is going on in the communication, someone is so angry, so upset, they're just spewing the same information over and over and over again. We're like, well, you just stop talking. You're just repeating yourself. I heard you the 13th time, right? Well, this is why. This is why. Because we're reacting and we're getting all fired up. And we have this inability to respond. So this is when we need to dial it back. Dial it back. And say, God, I know what's going on inside me right now. And I know what I want to do. And I know it's not going to honor you. Lead me. Show me. If we don't stop and rethink our reactions, if we don't dial it back and let God intervene, it will always end up negative. This is true for all of us. This is true for all human beings. Raise your hand if you're a human being. Okay, some people didn't raise their hand. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> as much as you like to think that you are an ex exempt from this, you're not. And so we're in the middle of a conflict, we're in the middle of an argument, in the middle of a fight. We're all hyped up. We have these responses that we actually just naturally live out. And you can see them on, here's our responses to conflict. And let me just point them out before you even see them. None of them. None of them are what God wants. Let me see this. So you, you got fight or flight. I'm going to fight, man. I'm going toe-to-toe, -to -toe and we're going at it. Or I'm going to run. I'm going to walk out of the room. I'm going to shut myself in my bedroom. I'm not going to have a conversation. I'm going to get in the car and drive away. And then we won't have to deal with it because I'll be over when I get back. I'm going to dig in or I'm going to give in. Means I'm going to put my foot down. I don't care what you say or how rational you think you are. I am not going to listen. I'm going to sit here and just point my finger in your face and tell you what's what. Or you, you, you win. Yeah, I don't want to fight. You win. I'm sorry. Yeah, you win. Right, right. Both of those is not what God wants. How about violence? Punching things, throwing things, hurting people. Or silence. I've, had, I've heard spouses not talk to each other for two to three days. 
They just shut right down. Instead of handling it, we just figure we won't talk. Well, that's going to work. Never. Blow up, clam up. These are natural responses. Some of the way we just, all of us in the room, react. So what I want you to do right now is think through which one is you. How do you naturally react when it comes to conflict? What is it? Be honest. You need to be honest because we can't move forward. We can't rethink our reactions if we don't know how we react in the first place. And let me just be clear. The people who are closest to you know the answer already because they've experienced it. So it's time for you and I to be honest with ourselves. Okay, I, I, I dig in. Yeah, that's who I am. I, I always just put my foot in the ground and I'm going to run my mouth until I walk in the out and I'm going to walk out with a trophy in my hand saying, this was all mine. Or I'm going to give in. I'm going to give in. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to fight. I'm going to walk away. I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, sure, you win, you win, you win, you win. And it's because there's silence and you know, I can deal with all that. I can't deal with loud noises in my house. Which one are you? We're all one of them. You got to figure it out. What's your natural reaction? And then start figuring out how to change that reaction to live differently. Now, one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite songs, um, you're probably going to laugh or love it. I, I, yeah, I don't care. But is, it was a long time ago, and it was a guy by Michael Jackson, and it was called Man in the Mirror. I got one fan, a man in the mirror, and he says this, if you want to make the world a better place, just look in the mirror and make a change. As far as it depends on you, we have a responsibility before God. If you want better and deeper Christ-driven relationships, then look in the mirror and have a conversation with that person. It starts with you. Yes, we'll talk about other people and their sin, how to deal with that down the road. But when it comes to scripture, it starts with us. If we desire to have life-giving relationships and a foundation to overcome conflict, we need to stop and have a conversation with the person in the mirror. I also want to point out, it says, if it is possible... If it is possible, meaning that there's sometimes it's not going to be possible, friends. Sometimes there's going to be some argument or conflict that we're walking through. It's just not possible to come to a point of peace. Why? Because of the other person. I want to be really, really clear here. We're not to be doormats, right? We're not to let people walk over us in life. We can't control anyone either. And usually we try. We try to control our spouses. We try to control our employees, our bosses, our kids, even those who we call friends. Newsflash, we can't control anyone. So what are we responsible for? I'm responsible for me.
And if I do my part, that's what God's asking me. He's not asking me to do their part. Long as it's possible, far, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. Live at peace with one another. means lastly, we are to pursue peace. We are to pursue peace. If our natural action is to attack back, then our supernatural reactions as a child of God, having the Holy Spirit residing in us, giving us everything we need for a godly life, our supernatural reaction must be to pursue peace. Peace doesn't just happen, it is made. And if you ask me, that pushes our responsibility and our relationships that much further. Not only are we not to react and act sinful, not return evil for evil, but now he says, God says, we need to be doing something more, that we need to be pursuing peace in all of our relationships. This is a lot on us. Let me just tell you how important this is. Right now over in kids' ministry, they are learning this exact same stuff. Right now over in kids' ministry, your kids, if you have kids next door, are learning about being peacemakers and living a life of peace with other people. It is that important because we want them to start at this age when they're little squirts to grow up and have everything they need, the knowledge of God working in their life to live a life that honors God. Right now they're learning this verse, Colossians 3.15. Right now, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts since as members of one body, you're in the church, you were called to peace. That's amazing. See, the word of God doesn't apply to us as adults, man. It applies to every single one of us, no matter what the age. And right now, they're learning it. And I'm going to just take a second here to brag on our, on our kids' ministry. Our kids' ministry next door is absolutely amazing, okay? And if you have kids, I suggest get them over there. They're having beach day over there, and they wouldn't let me come over and play. They say, Rich, you cause too many problems. <laughs> Seriously, we have an amazing team over there. Janelle and her team of volunteers love your kids, and they want to reach them for Jesus. They want to grow them in their relationship for Jesus. It's amazing. So since COVID, one of the things the church has been doing since we've come back and reopened the church for the past 10 months is we've been engaging, it's called percent return rate. We've been watching, you know, churches have been going, well, we've been this return, this how many percent has returned because not a lot of churches are back to their the size before COVID. So I want to talk specifically about our kids' ministry. Does anybody want to throw a number out, like the return rate percentage-wise of what we're at for kids' ministry? Someone just give me a number. What do you think? like the return rate is for our kids' ministry right now? 70%. It's 105%. Right now, we have more kids in kids' ministry than before COVID. That's crazy. Crazy awesome for an awesome God. So you want to know what the return rate for adults is to our church? Give me a number. Guess. 50. 60. Our campus, we are 84%. Pretty amazing. 
There's churches across our country that are at 30, 35%. And I pray for them because they're wondering what they need to do next. 84%, but there's a difference, isn't there? 105% in kids, 84% in adults. There's a gap, my friends. Our kids' ministry is exploding, and we don't have the help we need to make it work. So guess what your fourth challenge is today? We need you. We need our church to step up. I mean, you can like kids. I mean, I don't know if you have to love kids. You could probably just like them and, and go do a good job, I guess. Um, but you can make a difference in a kid's life for the rest of their life. We have never been a church for you to come in and sit your back ends on a chair and just relax and go home. We've always been a church where I have shared with you and shared with you over and over again, you are called to serve. And if you're not serving anywheres right now, find Janelle after, after service. Say, listen, I, you know, I don't know what I can do over there, but I think I can rock a baby for Jesus. Just don't drop them. <laughs> Serious. We're exploding in our kids' ministry, and we need more volunteers. We need your help. So there's four challenges today. Conflict. In your next conflict, ask yourself, ask yourself, do I want to be right or do I want to win? Do I want to be right or do I want to win? Neither. Do I want to be right or do I want to reconcile? Oh, there's a third option. God says, take door number three. God wants us to have a goal of peace. Peace in our relationships. Walk through them in an honoring way. And we're going to walk through that through the rest of this series. But here's a Proverbs, I want, a proverb, Russian proverb I want you to chew on. It's not from Scripture, but it speaks a lot of truth. It says this, make peace with men and make war with your sins. A lot of us, we get that reverse. We make peace with our sins and we make war with men. But God says we're called to seek peace, pursue peace. See, the goal of our walk with Jesus is to, is to please him. Look at this 2 Corinthians 5, 9. It says, we make it our goal to please him. That means when we get into an argument, when we get into a conflict, when there's something going on, we, it gives us an opportunity. You may not think it that way. You may not feel it that way, but it's an opportunity for us to please our Lord. You have a choice. You have a decision. And as a follower of Jesus, you have a responsibility. If you want God-glorifying relationships, Jesus-driven relationships, you'll step back. Respond differently. It's that simple. 
I say it's simple, but it's really not. But that's what God's calling us to do. So live it out this week. Live it out when you hit those doors. Make it your goal to please your Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to come and worship you. God, we praise you for watching the four individuals today take their next step in obedience and proclaim that they're a follower of you. God, thank you for working in their lives. Thank you for continuing to pursue them as they look to honor you. And God, as we step into this series, so practical, so real, I pray that we will be a church who are honest with ourselves and understand how we truly react when it comes to conflict and we'll take the necessary steps that you've given us to step back and choose to honor you through them. It will happen. They will come. I pray for this week that we will be ready. We will be ready to glorify and please you. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen.